Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in wine and space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to the second edition of the Exton Moss Experiment. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. We've gone back to the start for Doctor Who, Rose. Do you want to come with me? Because if you do, then I should warn you. Because if you do, then I should warn you. You're going to see all sorts of things. Ghosts from the past. Aliens from the future. The day the Earth died in a ball of flame. It won't be quiet, it won't be safe, and it won't be calm. But I'll tell you what it will be. I'll tell you what it will be. The trip of a lifetime. Of a lifetime. Doctor Who, Saturdays at 7 on BBC One. Without further ado, Run VT. We've chosen this episode for this particular podcast because. Um, this is this was the episode where Simon and me first met. It was, I believe, the twenty sixth of March, two thousand and five. Although I'm willing to be corrected on that one. Um, I'm going to take your word for that because I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, but it was at the Vines Hotel in Liverpool, and there was a the Liverpool Doctor Who group had put on a special screen and arranged it yeah, in this massive back room that they had. Uh, big sort of ballroom thing that I, I've, been in, I've been in that pub loads of times and I never knew it was there. It was, and it, it was on a, a huge big screen and just looked incredible. It was bizarre actually. I mean, the, I walked in because I was, I was thinking as I was driving into Liverpool, I had a good nine years to prepare for this, 16 if you want to be pedantic, and I was still on the last bloody minute. And I managed to find a parking spot right outside the pub. I walked in just as it was about to start, and I'm really glad that I did, because up to that point, um, even in those days, the internet didn't give much away. So we'd not heard the title sequence. I think we'd seen the console room, but the title sequence, I remember thinking, this is really simplistic and a bit basic, actually. As time's worn on, it's probably my favourite version of a theme tune and my favourite titles. I just think it's really quite dramatic. See, I love the title sequence because it's a real hark back to the Tom Baker Vortex um, sequence, which is the one that I grew up with. And it was a real acknowledgement of the past, but modernised as well. I was blown away the moment I saw it. I do remember the one thing that I, uh, I was thinking at the time. There were credits after the title sequence for the director and this, that and the other. And I thought, well, that's a bit different. Do I like this? Do I like And it didn't take very long to adjust to the new format. I think, really, they've done a bloody good job with this. I think uh, Russell T. Davis, whatever people have said about, you know, his tenure and his style and this, that and the other, I do think he was a, a really good man to get back on board with this. 
Absolutely. Um, he did a fantastic job. Incredible stories in the in the first series and throughout his tenure. I, I think the endings of each of his seasons got a little samey as the years went by. But the first time that we saw it here with the whole bad wolf thing was... A, Fantastic piece of television, completely different. I'm just going to cut across you there. This is the point, I don't know whether you remember, this is the point where the sound feed came through from Graham Norton, I seem to remember. <laughs> oh, yes. This was a pres- I, I remember th- cause it was just as she opened the door, and it sounded as if she'd opened the door into a studio audience. And then it cut, and then it was only afterwards, after um, the internet was set on fire, about the reasons why, and it actually made the news. But I thought... They've waited so long to reboot the series and then they screw it up on the first bloody episode. Poor things. Sorry, you were saying about the the endings of the series and... and they, they get a bit samey as the years go, go by during his tenure, but first time we see it in season one, it, it, it works brilliantly. And I actually really like the way that they introduced the episode with Rose rather than the Doctor. I'm, I'm entirely with you on the, the series endings because it, by the time uh, series three came, you already knew what was going to happen. It was going to be a billion aliens invading from the sky and then by the end of the episode there'd be a convenient reset. Right, now we've, uh, we've just got to the point where the Autons start oh, yeah. animating and it is such a, a beautiful hark back to uh, the John Pertwee stories. It's a really clever villain to have chosen. Because it appeals to the the classic fans, but it also is a very visual and dramatic appeal to to newer fans. And I think this whole sequence with uh, with having Rose as the one who introduces you to the series is a way of bringing new people on to, on board. And now the Doctor's just turned oh, up. Oh, here he is! Not an obvious choice again. When it was first announced, I didn't actually know who Christopher Eccleston was, and I didn't know that I'd already seen him in half a dozen things. Um, and he was one of those stable of actors that yeah. Russell T. Davis tended to, to work with because he'd done things like The Second Coming. I do remember at the time he'd said that um, he'd given an interview, and he said he fancied going, <laughs> going out with some of the previous doctors for a pint just to, to sort of chat to him about it. Uh, I don't know how quickly... That sort of novelty wore off for him. Worn, worn off enough that he doesn't really want anything to do with the uh, the show now, or show slash fandom. Do you know, to be fair, he's always said he's free, he will happily sign anything regarding Doctor Who. As far as I'm aware, I mean, this, this is I've seen in interviews, and I've heard him in, in radio interviews, he, he doesn't mind signing anything, so long as it's not an army, a, a, you know, a big pile of stuff for selling yeah. on eBay, he's quite happy to do it. I, I really do wish he'd done a couple of seasons, because by the end of it, he was really getting into his stride. But he's always said he doesn't, now, he doesn't swim in the same pool twice or something, which is why he doesn't go back to anything. I really wish he would. I, w- I wish he'd turned up for the 50th, and I wish he'd do the audios. I, along with vast tracts of fandom, think that he's bloody brilliant at yeah. it. Well, I mean, we we have a, a different attitude towards the the audios, but it would be it would be very nice for the the fans who who like the uh, the new audio stories to. Um... Oh no! Hendrix has just blown up, and oh, um, Ed, oh. That, that's a dodgy bit of CGI. It was dodgy now. in two thousand and five. You know. But that, that's, I think, the, one of the few effects where it is really not that convincing. It, it's ages since I've seen Rose, 
and I've forgotten just what a really compelling piece of television it is because we're supposed to be talking about this and I find myself getting completely caught up in it. The problem is a lot of, we look at uh, certainly classic Doctor Who and we've seen each of the episodes so many times that most of us can quote them verbatim. The problem is with classic Doctor Who, if it doesn't, uh, or the, the new series, if it doesn't grip you immediately, you come away thinking, ah, meh, when really, if you re-watch, I've been re-watching a lot of the old DVDs, and seeing some of these old and new episodes for the second or third time, you appreciate them for what they are. This is one, I must, have, I, I must say, Rose is one of the ones I've seen quite a lot, in fact series one, it holds quite a, a soft spot for me. I've seen each of series one quite a lot over the years, not so much anything from uh, series two onwards, but they do need revisit. I think that's true of all Doctor Who, it all needs revisiting to fully appreciate it for what it is. That I, yes, I agree with you. I, I'm not sure I agree that we've all seen the every episode. Of oh, the not every episode, yeah, over and over and over again. Because there, are, there are certain certain ones. Twin Dilemma, Invisible Enemy. Oh, that God. you would you would have to pay me a lot of money to, <laughs> to watch again. <laughs> um, <laughs> equally, there are ones that I watch over and over and over again. Um, I, I watched Image of Fendal the other night and have lost count of the number of times I've seen that and I still find new things in it. There is a wonderful line in, in Fendal, which I've used in real life, I'm ashamed to say. You must think my head zips up the back. It's a cracking insult. But you mentioned Twin Dilemma there and... I will say this much for the for the new series. Um, there are a few stories which are very, very good. There are very few that are bad. And I know even Love and Monsters divides people. But they are all of a, a fairly standard quality in terms, certainly in production values. I just, I, I can't get Twin Dilemma out of my head now. I, Caves of Androzani remains. It's now been knocked into second place by Day of the Doctor, but that is my favourite classic story by quite a way. How on earth they could follow that with the Twin Dilemma and go from... Oh, it, anyway, get me off that topic. And I, just getting back to Rose, um, and we're at the... The Camille Cadurian and Night here. We're the, coming at this from very different. <laughs> and I know there, there, there was a lot of comment about um, how we shouldn't be so involved in the, uh, the companions' uh, family lives that it was turning it into a soap opera. I just think that um, the dynamic of, um, of the, the, the three of them, actually, works brilliantly. You see, that there, that's where he's just looked in the mirror. It's fairly obvious that he's just regenerated. Yeah. There's been... I think there's been fan attempts to crowbar in or a wish list or um, crowbar in previous adventures. Like Coming up in, later in this episode, there's a, a series of pictures of the Ninth Doctor at various events. Well, this must have happened prior to meeting Rose. No. He's clearly just regenerated. The thing that I like about the, the new series is that there are deliberate elements of comedy, which we didn't really get in the classic series. Don't get me wrong, there are things that are funny in the classic series, but it's generally a, an accidental thing or laughing at their 
terrible special effects or whereas things like the Auton Arm sequence that we've just watched is deliberate comedy and works really well again this was um, Billy Piper we've not really passed comments on it yet I was invited on Radio Lancashire the Preston group which I was a member of the Time Medalist we got invited on Radio Lancashire to comment prior to the screening of the first episode on the new series the first, one of the, the the questions we were asked was what do you think of Billy Piper being cast well we'd not seen a single frame and it seemed a bit unfair to comment everybody had the same raised eyebrow Billy Piper yeah, sort of pop star teeny bopper she's brilliant in this yeah. and Subsequent stuff that she does. Um, Secret Diary of a Call Girl, that was another... Um, again, completely different, but... Uh, and the Sally Lockhart mistress. Yes. Um, and she does a, a really, really good and credible acting job in, in all of them. I deliberately didn't listen to spoilers prior to Rose. Um, and I, I think a lot of the Liverpool group were, were in the same boat. I also had the attitude, and still, still have the attitude, that this is big-budget BBC they will not be putting lead actors in who can't do the job. Well, yeah. Um, it, did, it did strike me as interesting that the at the time they were doing trilogies of books to tie in with the series. Now, the books came out just before the series aired, and even on the back it said, from the hit TV series starring Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper, hmm. they clearly had a lot of faith in it somewhere. And, and if it didn't work out, they could always go, go in and pencil in an S, so... Just for anyone who's listening to this, that ice cream van effect is uh, a real-life effect. It's not on the episode. Anyone wondering what version we're watching? Yeah, And actually, in terms of having confidence in the actors that the BBC will will choose for their technical ability, I feel exactly the same way about Jodie Whittaker. There's a lot of people saying, oh, she hasn't really done an awful lot, and the St. Trinian's was rubbish. The BBC... (coughs) for one of their biggest shows, would not put in somebody who is not technically capable of doing the job. Now, she may end up lumbered with terrible stories like Capaldi did, but that doesn't that won't be her fault. Do you know, I don't... I'm not entirely sure about... Uh, I mean, the Jodie Whittaker thing, I do think is... This is before having seen a single episode. I do think it's a bit of a gimmick. I don't like gimmicks. And it would have been more acceptable to me if Chris Chibnall had said we screen tested a load of actors she was the best one rather than we are going to cast a woman we are going to cast a woman now that I would have preferred I I mean we're segueing quite a lot here but I actually think it's quite a cowardly casting decision because they'd already done this exchange with the master and it worked brilliantly and Michelle Gomez really made the part of Missy her own and I think she's one of the the best master characters that we've had. So they'd already done that. It's not anything new. I think a much braver casting decision would have been to cast a person of colour. That, I mean, that would have set the cast among the pictures in a different yeah, way. Absolutely. Um, I know... I can't even pronounce his name. He's very outspoken. He's a black actor. I can't remember his damn name. Um, Edgeforo. Oh, what's his damn name? Somebody out there will know. Anyway, I know that he's wanted to be Doctor Who, or he's certainly been linked with Oh, it. Richard. No, no, not, no. Not the fellow from the IT crowd. No, Richard Ayoade. No, no, not him. See, I think Patterson Joseph would... Do, would no, it's not Patterson Joseph either. I know no, that but I think Patterson Joseph would be brilliant doing it. 
Uh, middling. I don't think he's as brilliant an actor as people make out. I'm terribly sorry. I, that, that's that's awfully critical. But no, I just don't. I would have loved to see someone. Personally speaking, I wanted. I've always wanted Bill Nighy. I've always wanted Richard O'Brien, although I think he's now past the stage for a good reason. And to he's carry really it not a good actor. He's very dramatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he doesn't. It's all crystal maze. Well, I think um, we found that with Richard E. Grant. Because Richard E. Grant, it was clear to me what they really wanted when they... This is just before Rose, really. What they wanted from Richard E. Grant was Withnail, and what they got was Blank of Wood. Mm. So I do feel sorry for you know James Goss and the BBC I people. They, they never got what they wanted with that. What you have in your head sometimes isn't what translates on screen. I'm willing to give Jodie Whittaker the, the best benefit of the doubt. I think that I have no lack of confidence in her abilities... I just think that it's a gimmick with Doctor Who. The thing that I have noticed is costume with Jodie Whittaker. And every other Doctor beforehand, it's been a variation of the suit or frock coat with just a bit of a twist to it. And with Jodie Whittaker, suddenly she has to be fashionable and look like some sort of Bay City Roller reject. In fairness, though, what they haven't done, and I'm very, very glad, it's very asexual. There's nothing busty about it. I mean, I personally do not want a Doctor Who that I am attracted to. That would be... I don't know whether that's uh, Yeah, we have me. a very different viewpoint I'm on say, this. I don't know whether that's true for the gay community. But uh, I do not want a Doctor Who that I would in any way want to go anywhere near the bed with. Because all I would think in my head is... You used to be William Hartnell. Man. You have a very strange mind. Yeah, I know. It wanders off I know on it's its not own. news. But... It wanders off on its own. No, so I'm glad that I... Jodie Whittaker, Bonnie though she is, she's not somebody that I'm attracted to. And one. Now, Jenna Coleman. But back to Rose. Yes, because this has taken a slightly <laughs> odd tangent. Um, now we're doing bits of the dead... The fragments. The, the, you see, the past. The new series does brilliantly in that it it brings in little bit little bits of teasers for stories yeah. that might have been and we didn't often see that in the classic series okay those things like the um the previous doctors in the brain of morbius but for the most part it was all each story was self-contained whereas with this it's painting on a much broader canvas and it's saying do you know what? We're showing you these episodes and these are part of the Doctor's story, but there's so much more of it as well. Well, they were very tentative. In the, as the, um, the series wears on, they're more explicit about it. In the first series, all the nods to the past are very tentative. We don't really want to associate with the classic series. It's there, yeah. and those who know it will know it but we don't want to confuse anybody. As time wore on, it's become more explicit, and I love it, and it's now all one big yeah, glorious absolutely, thing. and I, I, think it, I think that was a very sensible was, way of yeah, doing things. The situation is different now, because we've just had the, the whole thing about Doctor Who being on Twitch and um, getting a, a whole new audience, um, people who have fallen in love with the, the new Doctor Who, and it's, what, 12 years old now? Um, 13. Yeah, 13 years since it's been on. Oh, where was this? All right, Mickey's just pulled up in a big, bright yellow beetle. That never appears again. In the whole city, it never appears again. Why would he have got rid of that car? Now, that was... That was what I pulled up in. 
at the screen. That was my first car. My bottle green Beetle. I don't know if you remember it. No. And I adored that car. And I kept it for years. Mm. And next time we see him, he's driving a, a Mini Metro, I think. See, we've got to the wheelie bin sequence, and that CGI isn't great. Yeah, watch this, but... though. It's physically impossible what he does here. He, he crosses his arms. It's physically impossible where the plastic goes. See? We've just crossed the line there. And then comes the burp. And actually, when Rose uh, talks to Clive, there's a really nice um, tip of the hat to fandom. <laughs> his wife says something like, uh, a woman. She's a girl. Really? She's a she. I, re- I, I know it's there for comedy, but I, I really like Auton Mickey. See, I've got to give RCD his due here because mm. there's, um, there's a line where comedy becomes horror. And it crosses in such a subtle way that it's almost not noticeable. I mean, there it, there it goes. I'm sorry, was it talking about me for a second? Because I reckon it all started back at the shop, am I right? There's another, uh, there's a sequence in New Earth where, uh, you know, the Tenth Doctor's been going along with Rose as Cassandra. And he's, he goes along with it, new Doctor, new Chippy, and then all of a sudden, click, is what have you done to Rose? And who? And it's just that... You've got you've really got to watch for it, but it's there. There we go. You see this again. This is where you look at what what is about to happen here. Man screams instead of the woman. Um, but the, the chase back to the TARDIS. Now this is, with the exception of the title sequence, which sort of straight away the TARDIS is in it. We haven't seen a glimpse of the inside. We've no idea. This is where the TV movie, much as I love it, failed utterly. And it's only with hindsight that I look at it and think, even though I as a fan adored the TV movie, every aspect of it, I thought, particularly the TARDIS set, I loved. But it introduced it in the opening scene. There was no mystery, it was just there. And then you see this wooden box. What the hell's going on? This does it the other way around and is far better. That's true. I mean, to be fair to the TV movie, I... It, there was a far shorter period of time for people to forget. Yeah, there was. So an awful lot of the audience were still used to Doctor Who and it had been going on for, for nearly 30 years before then. So it was almost part of... This is going to sound Go really important. It was almost part of our national identity that we grew up watching Doctor Who because we'd done it for, for a couple of generations. I'm just so delighted that this worked. I mean, look at, look at the effort they've put into this. And into rebooting the series, isn't it marvellous? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't see that. And the, the set looks in, incredible. And when I first saw it, I was absolutely blown away. Oh. But now I just look at it and think, screensaver coral. Yes, screensaver coral. Um, and that just shows how brilliant some of the writing is because. Have you changed the desktop setting? A few words just are so evocative. But Doctor Who has always had those verbal cues that have just been incredibly evocative. I'm a citizen of the universe and a gentleman gentleman to boot. boot. Yes. I mean, that was 1964, that was said, and we still remember it now. How many TV series can you you say that about? Star Trek fans out there can quote it verbatim from 1966. God bless you. We've been doing it for you. Uh, Let's set the internet alight. Which came first? How are the Daleks Vulcan or Spock Vulcan? Oh, no, Answers no, no, on a postcard. No. 
Um, I have no idea and I have little interest in caring either. I think Power of the Daleks was transmitted first. I think it was. Which was written first. Personally speaking, and the whole concept of a, uh, a a planet, an, a, an extra planet in the uh, the solar system called Vulcan, I think predates both of them by a long time. See, the one thing that's bugged me about this scene, she gets over his death in a heartbeat. Yeah. Come on, love, you, you don't want to be with him. Pass the ball. Your boyfriend's dead and you don't shed a tear. See, your boyfriend's dead, you're more interested in the box. And you're smiling. People have very odd reactions to grief. <laughs> and this is my day job talking. <laughs> um, well, and just to give you a bit of a bit of context, um, I'm a doctor and I work in a, in a hospice, so I do see quite a lot of people reaction to, to death. And nobody reacts the same. But from a dramatic perspective, I, I can see where you, you're coming from. The thing I really like about the way that they've written Rose is that I don't think she screams in this episode at all, does she? You know, I can't think of... And certainly in the restaurant, she's the one taking charge and she starts yeah. the, the fire alarm going and gets everybody out and... I can't think of an episode where she does scream. I just oh, can't yeah, remember yeah. what but it is. I, I don't think she does to start with. I do find the Doctor's catchphrases that they they put into the first series uh, into the new series a bit annoying. Um, but fantastic and, and Geronimo and things like that. Fa- fantastic, yeah, fair enough. Lots of people say that an awful lot, but Alon Z really made my teeth itch every time I heard it <laughs> because it's not a natural thing for people to say it was clearly thought up by An some sort of marketing yeah. thing the Capaldi have one I don't know maybe they realised they were a bit rubbish by that that stage because Geronimo kind of faded out of existence didn't it oh I don't know they still used it in Day of the Doctor and yeah, to, that- to very very good effect I have to say because it gave John Hurt the excuse to say oh for God's sake Oh, John Hurt, God bless him. Oh, yeah, he was fantastic. But if Chris Eccleston hadn't wanted to come back, we'd never have had the John Hurt Doctor. There is... Oh, do you see... I watched watched Day of the Doctor last night, and purely because I love it, it is my favourite episode. I adore Day of the Doctor. It ticked all the boxes that a 50th anniversary really should have ticked, realistically, without bringing back Colin Baker in his current form. I could quite happily have lived with Paul McGann in that role. I the one thing I don't have a, a, a space for is Christopher Eccleston because he wasn't much as he talks about it. He was not the Doctor in the Time War, and although we picture him when he talks about it, it was clearly never him in the Time War. So I don't see a role for him in Day of the Doctor, even if they'd managed to get him. He wasn't the one that pushed a button, and he wasn't the one that that fought in it. Yeah. And I love the whole you were the doctor on the day that it was impossible to get it right. Yeah. Oh, we need to have a commentary at some point on Day of the Doctor. I, I love that story. See, the it, only thing I can think of when I see it. this set is Games Master. Do you remember, do you remember that? Yeah. It's not, but it, it looks so similar to that set. This is, this is probably a generational thing with you demonstrating how much younger than me you are. I'm 40 and you're... Are you? Oh, bloody hell, that's... In my head, you're, you're still 44. 
We, I've I brought the story. I've brought our birthday stories. I know, I know. Mine's the crotons and this and oh, anyway, forget it. Forget it. Yeah, that's giving you a clue as to what's coming up. Yeah, the uh, the crotons. And uh, to be fair, I'm not quite fifty. I'm a few months off, but the whole 40-50 juxtaposition was just a bit too too tempting to ignore. <laughs> Nicholas Briggs in his first official Doctor Who role he must have been absolutely creaming himself off this I've met Nicholas Briggs several times and he is the nicest man Mm. he is the only thing I would say not from a a monster's point of view but from the audio's point of view and I know that we've got different opinions I, I adore the Big Finish stuff you're slightly more critical but Nicholas Briggs God love the man but he does sound exactly the same in every extra role that he plays in the Big Finish stuff please stop but I, I'm not completely negative about Big, Big Finish I think when they're when they're good they're good I just think it's a terrible signal to noise ratio but it's a, but if you so there are Big Finish stories that I can listen to over and over and o- over again Oh, we, we've just got to the, the, the shopping centre sequence where the um, the models start coming back to life, and I just remember seeing that on the big screen and just being blown away by what, how wonderfully it works as a modern piece of television, but also as a um, hark back to the um, the, the first video. Yes. I mean, look at the look at the acceptance on his face. Uh, here it comes, bang! The one thing I've always wondered is how did he manage to pull a wife that hot? Exa- and uh, sorry, sorry, cosmic difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've just noticed that um, Jackie was carrying a a Jane Norman bag, which is a rare example of advertising on the BBC. She's still got it, but watch this. She throws it onto this, and then somebody somewhere cuts the shot exactly where it should be further up the escalator now that takes some bloody doing continuity wise watch this and I've never noticed it before but the person who runs out screaming in front of Jackie is Clyde's wife yeah there he is Nicholas Briggs first line in Doctor Who I mean this just looks fantastic it's a good few years since I've seen it and it is making me think that there are a whole load of new Who stories that I really need to revisit. See, look at that. Oh, isn't that wonderful? They've used the, the original sound effect. They've not even updated it. Yeah. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, I mean, there, there's an awful lot of the Russell T. Davis stuff that is basically a, a little love notes to the, uh, the classic era, which I can completely empathise with. See, I don't remember being blown away by this episode when it first went out. I re- and I remember going to meet my friend in the pub in Lost Hall afterwards. And he asked me what it was like. And I said, it, it was all right. Now, as the series wore on, that, that opinion certainly, certainly from episode six onwards, Dalek. But Colin Baker once said about the twin dilemma, which I thought was very magnanimous of him. He said, you don't want the new Doctor to be introduced with the greatest story or eclipsed by the greatest story ever written. Uh, It's certainly true in this case, but as a piece of television, it's not bad at all. Power of the Daleks. Oh, that's a difficult one. That's kind of blown you up. Yeah, that really... Power of the Daleks is still my favourite shroud. You see, my first experience of that was a a recon, loose cannon. 
I got the tin set, the audio tin set for Christmas one year. Reading the sleeve notes of that, it said, um, yes, it's clear that Patrick Troughton, uh, he'd not got the characterization right. It was perfect. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, the animation that's been done. Absolutely love. Are we going to have to do a series on Doctor's introduction stories? Because that will lead us into time in the Rani territory. Let's not be going there. Um, but we are certainly going to have to do Power of the, the, oh, Power of the Daleks animation. I prefer to do the black and white one than the, um, the colour one. Yeah, well, we, I, we have both. Actually, I think last time I was here, we saw both. We did see both, yeah. That, that was a, another gin-filled evening. It was all like... I, I really don't like now. the way they do it. We've got to oh. the, um, the bit where Mickey is hanging on to Rose like some sort of child, and I don't like the way they're dealing with his character there because, okay, he's, he's been a bit of comedy re- relief up until that point, but not quite that needy. And it's certainly not the way the character develops further on down the line. To be fair, though, it is clear that um, but he, thought, from, the, from the outset, he needs Rose a lot more than she needs him. Oh, absolutely. She and is. then every, the dynamic changes. Um, to between, be fair, it's showing the influence that the Doctor has. I, I do like that bit. Well, between, between the two of them, she is clearly the, uh, the one that's got the balls. But how um, did they ever end up together? Without him arriving, how, how are them two a couple... Let's not get into the discussion of how you end up with inappropriate partners. Do you mean we've and both got previous on that? Yeah, I, maybe. We, we may have, and <laughs> we, we probably know a little bit too much about each other's past, <laughs> past boyfriends and girlfriends um, to really have that conversation that's going to be broadcast on the internet. Oh, no, you see, look at this. I really wrestled with this. The next time sequences at the beginning of the episode, at the end of the episodes. Oh, no, I like it. But doesn't it work? Brilliantly. The mocks of Balloon. The mocks of Balloon. Oh, little private joke there. Um, but, <laughs> but the tree people, the tree people just looked so stunning. And that was kind of the episode where they said, right, okay, the last one was tip of the hat to the, the past. What we're going to do is introduce you to a completely shed load new, of new aliens. Fill your boots. We've got a lot of, a lot of universe to show you. Uh, I had forgotten how much I loved Rose. I was absolutely blown away with, by it by the first, first time I saw it. We say again... Again, on a macro level, look at this. Slow rolling credits. And a, uh, an end theme that really sort of grips you. From then, it, from series two onwards, there were fast credits. It was never really quite the same. To round us off, we've got a recording from my personal archive. This is a recording from BBC Radio Lancashire featuring myself, Mike Clark and Andy May from the Preston Doctor Who group. We were invited on to talk about the revival of Doctor Who and this is the Tony Livesey Show on the 30th of December 2004. BBC Radio Lancashire Lads from Doctor Who, hello boys. Morning. Morning. Alright, now give us your names. Uh, I'm Ken Moss. Ken Moss. 
I'm Mike Clark. Mike Clark. And I'm Andy May. Andy May. And it's very good of you all to come in dressed as Doctor Who characters. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I know <laughs> you're not ready. Radio fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell us, what, why are you here? What, I mean, what do you do? Are you, are you... What do we do? <laughs> well, no, are you, I mean, are you, are you geeks? Define that word. Well, I'll define that word. You've, you've sent us a list of 94 questions that you might know about Doctor Who. Is that correct? It might be. Right. <laughs> so, if you answer this one, this classifies as geek, right? Oh, go on, then. What is the name of the children's puppet show the master is watching on on his prison cell television in the Sea, sea Devils? Oh, see, everybody it's, knows that. Everybody easy knows one. That. Everyone knows yeah, that. Of course. Unfortunately, you've just been talking it? about the Sea Devils. We've heard you in the lobby. They are my. That was one of my favourite episodes. What 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 puppet show was he watching? It was the Clangers, wasn't it? Was it the? I, it was. Don't say wasn't oh, it. Oh, you know no it was the Clangers. I thought I liked <laughs> Doctor Who, but I didn't know that. So, what are you then? Are you a fan club? What are you guys? Uh, yeah, we're um, Preston-based fan club. Um, Three years we've been going for now. Yeah. We sort of meet every first Wednesday of the month. You know, we just get together, talk about Doctor Who. Yeah. Talk about the new series. You know, are you all drink. excited about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Yeah. Are you some of the people that campaigned to get it back? Because it was gone forever at one point, wasn't it? It's, in all honesty, it's never really been away. I mean, you've, uh, in, it end, the series ended in December 89. Yeah. And then almost straight away, Virgin Publishing, they took on the rights and they've published uh, well over 100 books. Uh, completely new novels, yeah. and then we had in '96 we had the movie with Paul McGann. Yeah, um, which was that was pretty rubbish, wasn't it? It <coughs> American could have been better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, um, I was just. Can you solve a myth for me, an, an mm -hmm. urban myth that's grown up in our family about me? I was born in January 1964, right, on a Saturday, and my dad says. Doctor Who was fighting Daleks when I was born. Was that right? Was it on Saturday TV? Saturday in 1974. 64. 74, thank you very much, but 64. <laughs> <laughs> Got out of that. 64. Would it have been on? Uh, yes, well, yeah, 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 64. So, so he could be right then. Could yeah, be correct, yeah. Now, I have one question I've been dying to ask you. Do you sure. dress up? Uh, I don't personally, no, though uh, no. we do have, um, well, like a show and tell. I if you will, a show and tell? <laughs> yeah, at, at the club yeah. where... Uh, do you get your sonic screwdriver out? Uh, we don't, but uh, Mike's I actually... Do this is a family one. show, yes, isn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, Why didn't you bring it in? screwdriver. Well, you should have brought some of your gear in. Uh, I mean, we've got two Sideman helmets that we bring down and we sometimes oh. sit around and have a drink with a Sideman helmet on. <laughs> they, they were, I think they were the most frightening monsters of all because they just had no expression, either that slit, mm. that straight slit for a mouth. Yeah. Mm. It's terrifying. Yeah, I think because they started off as, uh, as humans as well, really, which is a bit... Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah they were basically, they just... Oh, they evolved, did they? Yeah, and they, and yeah. They just, yeah. So okay. All right, boys, let's make Doctor Who sound more exciting. All right, please do, yeah. yeah please. No, right, well, come on, tell us what's attractive about Doctor Who, then. For people like Claire, who might say that. Which, I mean, we're all... <laughs> let's try and put this across in a positive way. We're all normal guys. I mean, we have lives and wives and things. It's just like... Do you have wives, or are you just making that up? No, I'm no, not no, I'm married, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And uh, do they like Doctor Who? Uh, no, she doesn't know. No, right. uh, no. I think the problem My is, though... My girlfriend's in two minds, I think. Oh, she could be a character in Doctor Who. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <I> yes. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm not writing the script for the new one. Yeah, one of the things trying to dispel is, you know, there is a stereotypical image of, of the Doctor Who fan being of a certain age, you know, perhaps living with his single mother. Yes. Um, which, which isn't, you know, really the, the case these days. It, I mean, a lot of the fans that you see, I mean, Elizabeth Hurley has been quoted as saying she's a big Doctor Who fan, yeah. and, and if Liz Hurley ever attends a convention, then it'll be one of the most popular ones ever attended. Do you wear your Cyberman helmets in bed? 
Yes. How oh, dull. We didn't, we do. I think you wouldn't Fully be... trussed up in bed with the Sagman hat, <laughs> the plunger and the scarf, and that's... <laughs> no, it sounds like Cluedo now. Uh, no, you wouldn't be human if you hadn't done that. Do you go to these conventions, then? Yes. And what happens at the conventions? Because secretly, I, uh, I like reading sci-fi from the 50s. Right. And I'd love to go to one of these sci-fi conventions, but I just daren't because I'm afraid of the geekiness of it all. But I know it'd be good fun, really. What it, do you do at them? I, I think yeah. I was quite yeah. apprehensive when I attended yeah. my first convention. Is you know you do go with that image in your head of what yeah. it'll be like. Yeah. Um, but I mean, generally, it's usually quite an open forum. There's, there'll be an interview panel with perhaps some like Pete Davidson or Colin Baker will come down. Oh, the doctors come. Oh yeah, they'll attend. Yeah, they'll answer some questions. There'll be a dealer's room where you can buy merchandise. There might be Big Finish maybe down who write some of the books or the audios. Audio do, you get, do you get sort of uh, claim to fame extras coming along saying I was the third Gorgon to the right on the planet Mulan or they something? They don't tend to invite those because people, I mean, people that are going to go to these conventions, they know who people are so yeah. they don't tend to invite. They'd be found out with Yeah, they, they would. For if I had a pound for every interview I've ever read from a BBC staff member claiming to have been a Dalek, they must all claim that as well, all these guys who got wheeled round in the Dalek suits. Have you ever been in a Dalek suit? Uh, yeah, yes. yeah, Ken has. Oh, yes. Ken's had a go in it. Well, dance. go on, describe the experience. Uh, cramped. Yeah. Basically. Is it true they used dwarfs? No. God, no. The, um, what they should have done, really. I mean, that, they've done some dwarfs out of jobs. And you, you've got these full-size actors cramped up in a Dalek when a dwarf would do it adequately. Don't you agree? I do agree, yeah. What Maybe. is your newspaper? Go on, give it a plug. Yeah. Mine, well, my newspaper's <laughs> the Sunday Sport. Do you know, I knew I'd seen you before. I've seen you on a bag of news for you. And I, I was, yeah, oh, somebody watched it. Uh, I, yeah, I was on a bag of news for you two weeks ago. Let's just turn the tables, just for a moment. Oh, no, Tell me about this, this um, bus at the South Pole. Yes. True story. Absolutely. Well, did you not see the picture? It was a very, very convincing picture. At least you couldn't see the strings picture. like you can on some of the Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> so, Hitler now, was really a woman as well. Hitler, Hitler was a woman, yes. Right. That was one of our biggest exclusives. Man eats his own head. Yeah, man eats his own head. Uh, donkey robs bank. We've done them all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dolphin fan with beard. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I noticed on your website before. Meanwhile, oh, you've been on my website. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Aliens turned my son into fish fingers. Yes, absolutely, yes. yeah. He's at school now. He's at school now, yes. isn't he? <laughs> He's a bit of a troublesome child. <laughs> now listen, what's your favourite doctor? Now, me personally, a bit of a controversial choice, because I like Paul McGann. Um, oh, controversial. He's a, well, he is, because he's only done one TV episode and, yeah. like, 50-odd radio episodes. Uh, but I know I'm in a minority there. I think um, Chris Freckleson's going to be a good doctor who. He will. Oh, well, I'm not sure I on that agree. one. I, I agree with that, I must admit. And what about Billy Piper as his assistant? Are we excited? Uh, we were a bit dubious to start with. I think we reserved, well, I certainly will, reserved judgment until after I've seen her. I mean, I think it's a clever piece of casting on the BBC's part, because obviously casting Billy, you've, you've got a target audience there that they're definitely aiming for. Well, um, I'm hoping there's a bit of nudity. I mean, can they not put it out after nine o'clock? She really can. You can talk She's very in. shapely, is Billy. No? You'll have to speak to Chris Evans about that. I've even, never seen enough even of her. Even if they just beamed down to the Planet Starkers for three minutes and got the, got the wrong time continuum, quick, get out of here. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Just well, a plot. I don't think anyone's going to complain at <laughs> that. Whether it's suitable for Saturday evening, I don't know. A good know. plot oh, device. Your column keeps going up and down. Well, if you, yeah, <laughs> if you're up against the X Factor, you've got to have these novel twists. It's true. I mean, that's one of the things that I've, I've actually spoke to Ken and Mike about is, you know, launching Dot 2 today, you've got other interests, you know, for the audience, yeah. whether that's, you know, it could be like the gaming consoles or the X Factor. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, the, the sort of the sexiness of some of the other programs, yeah. I think that the Doctor will have to incorporate to some extent, you know, to maintain the grip of the audience, really. Well, you've got Chris Freckleston wandering around saying it's going to be dark and all that sort of thing. Well, yeah. the kids are just going to 
switch off, aren't they? Either, though. I mean, you've got the X-Files generation. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. I think, I mean, the BBC, I think... Vampire Slayer as well. Yeah. I think they're looking for a British X-Files, basically, mm -hmm. or a British... They've got a good franchise on their hand, has been, you know, like I said, for five years. Yeah. A company called Big Finish has been making full-cast audio dramas, and they've just followed the format of the show. Yeah. Uh, they've got all the original cast back to do it. Yeah. So it works. Right, OK, we're here with the Doc 2 boys. Play a bit of this, that's why. Go on. Oh, yes. If we're not careful, they'll be table dancing to this. So. <laughs> it's like you've been at one of the conventions. That'd be all your dreams come true. Stringfellows, this on, Abby Titmus. How about that? No? No. Stringfellows, no. but perhaps you not Abby Titmus. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, uh, we were just, before we came back on air then, we were just practicing our Dalek impersonations. We right? were, yes. So let's see, who can do the best Dalek? Uh, I think I'll pass on that one, actually. Good, you were doing one. What? Exterminate! Exterminate! <laughs> <laughs> Very disturbing what you're doing with your throat, then. <laughs> it is. Well. Daleks like the Tony Livesey show. There we are, hey, That's a new jingle. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, for years, there's been a Doctor Who exhibition in Blackburn. Blackpool. Uh, not Blackburn. Blackpool. Blackpool. Yeah. Is it still there? It is. Well, it shut down, it's actually. It shut oh, down. It? it shut down. No, no, well, the, the original one shut yeah. down years ago, and then, I think, is it last year or the year before? They've last reopened year, a completely brand new one. All right. So, but that's permanent there. Well, uh, I was just saying before the news was now, my favourite character of all was the Brigadier, I think. Yes. Why is he not in it anymore? Because he's old. He's old? Oh, are you ageist? <laughs> he's ageist not allowed in now. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets dragged back. He should get dragged back, shouldn't he? What's your most favourite monster? For me, it's yeah. got to be the Daleks. I yeah. mean, I'm just going to have to go for the Master. I, I know that, as a, a bad guy, he was particularly inept and not very good, but just for <laughs> sheer determination, you have to pump for him. You sent me 94 questions, but... We haven't got time for all 94. <laughs> Which Doctor Who story, this is for you, sorry, your name is? Ken. Ken, sorry mate. Which Doctor Who story attracted the largest audience over its four episodes when first run on the BBC? City of Death. So, starring what? Tom Baker. Who, what were the monsters? The monster was uh, Scaroth, last of the Jaggeroth, and the reason it got the highest rating was because there was a power cut on ITV at the time. Oh. So I couldn't transmit. Oh. Yay. That's pretty good <laughs> trivia, that. Scaroth where? From where? Last of Argos. the Jaggeroth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scaroth oh. of Argos. All right. Oh, this is a tragic one. What are the names of the Doctor's only two companions to die? I didn't know any of them died. Yeah, they did. Oh, we're talking real life or in the show? No, in the show. In the show, <gasps> no. No. Well, now, this is for you, Andy. Yeah. I know one was Adric. Adric? Yeah, he died in Time Flight, is it? No. Earthshot. No. Oh, come on, Ken, sort him out. He knows Earthshot. Earthshot, that's Earthshot. the one. Right. Who else died? The dinosaurs anyway. Who else died? I'm going to say Perry, I think. Get out. Ken's disgusted. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Who was it then, Ken? It was Katarina. She was, um, Did trust. she get her head trapped in the TARDIS doors? No, she got flushed out of an airlock. Very nice. Oh, what a way to go. What a way to go. Right, boys, it's been a pleasure for me talking Doctor Who. It's been a pleasure, pleasure to be right. You're going to hang around for a bit because you're going to be in the movie. Yeah, yeah I'm going to be in the movie. Yeah. Right, so hang around. Yeah. Cast a thousands, okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I don't particularly care for listening to myself 14 years ago. I hope I've improved since then. But I'll sign off and Simon and myself will be back next time when we've got a Wild Cards episode. Goodbye. The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss. All featured soundtracks are the property of their respective producers, and no infringement of copyright is intended. Title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra, and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com.
or find us on social media.